Have you ever noticed that when the Divine Feminine comes to you for that part of your spiritual journey, that everything in your life pretty much falls apart and dismantles itself? Well, today's guest, Safa Arias, has beautiful insights about how to work with that soulful goddess transition to learn how to embody and embrace yourself. Join us for a potent discussion. Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. If you believe to so join us on this beautiful journey, so let the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that reveal insights into our deepest shadows that which we're not aware of so we can become aware and we can realize and we can have new perceptions and and we can take uh, new actions and make new decisions about life that then lead to new perceptions of life that then lead to new experiences i'm your host carrie hummingbird and i love having these kind of conversations and i'm so glad that you joined me on these weekly broadcasts and that you're part of the community and i would love to meet you if you're interested in that and have a conversation, you can book a discovery call at my website, kerryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, and you can use that little handy dandy scheduling tool to to book a discovery call. Uh, I've got lots of programs going on throughout the year, and I'm very creative because I'm in my divine flow. So you never know what's going to be coming out of me next. So definitely get on my email list and check out uh, the... uh, all the great stuff I got going on also at soulnectar.show, which is this podcast and website, soulnectar.show. Okay, so today's guest is going to be Safa Arias. Welcome, Safa, to the show. Hello, Carrie. Oh, it's so good to see you. And I'm excited to be here. So thank you. <laughs> I am excited too. So Safa interviewed me for her, uh, her podcast, Your Soulful Goddess Podcast. And of course, we talked about the mother wounds. Yep. We talked about the mother wounds. You know, I'm all about that right now. And uh, so I invite you to check that out. I will put that link in the show notes so you have access to that. And a a little bit about Safa, though, because today we're talking about her and we're having this nice conversation on Soul Nectar Show about whatever is going to come out of our mouths. So don't expect anything because we don't know (laughs) what's going to happen either. It's all up to great spirits. But Safa is an intuitive life coach, a health and wellness consultant and yoga teacher. She's been teaching yoga, energetics, health and wellness, and intuitive healing modalities for the past 10 years. Sounds about right. It's 2021, 2011. Yep, that's about when I started waking up. So uh, (laughs) Safa's teachings, she helps women better embody their true selves based on the power of chemical changes found through self-awareness, connectivity, and many tools that intuition has to offer. And we are definitely opening up our intuition here. We can, you know, as empaths, boy, we can feel a lot of stuff. And uh, so it's really good to, to know how to take care of yourself and how to listen to that intuition and take um, inspired actions based on that. And to really understand how you can support yourself to heal from the inside out, to get to know who you really are 
and healing those ancestral patterns and all those we're all, we're just all about this you know Seth and I are like on the same jam going on here so much so much so much jam same yes agreed agreed <laughs> all those vibrations <laughs> totally so um so I guess we'll start off by the question I always start with is uh, tell us about your journey like how did this start to unlock for you I noticed it was 2011 I know I was leaving my 20-year marriage that summer out of here new book opening in my life I don't even know where it's going so what was your story about that oh goddess okay so I actually now can say that what I've learned from most are the vast array of Kali faces in my life. So Kali referring, of course, to the goddess um, of destruction, but also creation and so much empowerment. And I, and I love her deeply and I've understood her very closely over the last couple of years. Um, really interesting because I always go back to my journey, starting with my relationship to self in terms of Growing up, I had very specific stories I had already told myself about me and about my world and about life and what it was that things were going to be like. One of them leading me down the path of an eating disorder that I had from many, many years, right? And in the process of really not knowing who I was or where I wanted to be or what I wanted to do or anything other than just wanted to be thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner, I came across this yoga studio here in Houston, Texas. And purely, look, nothing happens by accident, but my intention was I get to get smaller, right? I wanted to look like Madonna. I wanted to do the things and I'd heard that she did Ashtanga yoga and this place had it, so there I was. Um, and the funny thing is, that to me marks the point where I truly started my development, where things really cracked open because the second I unrolled that yoga mat for the first time, and this is something that I teach my clients and my students often, the second you unroll that yoga mat, the work is in. It doesn't matter if you never again set foot on a yoga mat or studio ever again. It doesn't matter if the first class, second class, third class pissed you off and then you never came back. It doesn't matter if you're a devoted yogi. The second you first really embodied yourself there, that's when your spirit got the call and was like, cool, we're doing work and stuff is going to start happening. So very often I find people who go through it that first time thought they would never come back and then they do come back and they're like wondering why they came back to it. <laughs> this, this is why. So that's where I start. And curiously, a little prior to that, I had already kind of started feeling the call of the divine feminine, um, but I didn't know how to spot it or how to learn it or how to hear it or see it or even know what the heck it was. I just remember having like a small glimpse, but me, I kind of let it go. And a little bit later, when I went through the practice, I started really asking deeper questions of myself and really going deeper into introspection and shadow work. I didn't know it was shadow work at the time, but it's what it ended up being. And I wanted suddenly to care about myself. I wanted to stop this self-hating pattern that I had been in for so long. 
And little by little started changing my perspective, started changing my way of eating, started changing my relationship to food and self. And that eventually also led me a little bit closer to the goddess essence and got very curious about the goddesses, particularly that we saw within the yoga community. And so of course, did a lot of research into that mythology. I love mythology. So anytime I can get into it, I'm gonna. So I did that and got closer to the goddess that way. And one year I was at a yoga conference. I had been asked to come and teach and I had also taken a Kundalini class that day. And (laughs) I remember I had never taken a Kundalini class in my life before. Uh, My Ayurvedic actual practitioner told me not to because I have enough air in me that that could be too much, but whatever I went. And I remember leaving I'm also an HSP and an empath, okay? So this was like a whammy for me. I'm already at a conference. There's lots and lots of people all around. It's kind of noisy. It's it's already kind of touching on those points for me a little bit, but not too much. But I go to this Kundalini workshop and I leave and it's like the world had been turned up to like a billion. Like it just was so much. And I was trying to find a place to hide. I was trying to find a place to be safe and kind of regroup from all of the everything that I was feeling because I just, it was too much and I didn't know how to ground back then. And I came across this red tent, you know, it was just so kismet, just like I just came across this yoga studio. I came across this yoga tent and I like, or yoga tent, red tent. And I ran in there and immediately felt that envelopment of the goddess and I knew and I had started reading the mist of Avalon not too early before that like I just just started right and I was like oh this feels familiar this feels so good what is this um and I had no idea what a red tent was or the concept behind it or where it came from no clue no clue whatsoever I just remember I felt home I felt home and I was surrounded by all these beautiful women and I just was like oh, my soul wants this. Like, I want more of this. How do I get more of this? Give me, you know, like I'm so hungry for it. And I left the conference and got deeper into the mists of Avalon and my life was changed. I mean, well, all of these have been changes, right? But once again, it was changed with yoga. I was changed with this. I just devoured that. And I really felt the call of the priestess so deeply within my soul, but also so scared of it because, you know, Ah, the way that I was brought up, it just wasn't acceptable for many different reasons, not only religiously, but also in a um, social sense. And so when I felt this call and I was already teaching yoga, but I wanted to really like sink my teeth into this priestess thing that I was feeling the call to and I didn't know how to, I shied away from it. And what I latched onto was the fact that people were coming up to me to ask for advice for nutrition. And I was like, cool, I will get an education in this. I will you know, have a certificate, I will have something to show up, I will, I will get smart about this, and I will give you proper science versus me just saying, oh, just be vegan, you know, (laughs) like, the standard thing that you get sometimes, and I did that, I got my nutrition certification, um, it started taking in clients, started working with them, and uh, universe is funny, because as soon as I started working with clients, we sat down, and yeah, we started looking at nutritional things, but stuff came up, stuff soul-based, like soul life, like help, I need something kind of help that came through them. Um, And that's where I really started to realize, oh man, like, yeah, no matter how I cut this, no matter how I look at this, I'm going to have to do this. And boom, wouldn't you know it, 2018 rolls around. 
and it's another kamikaze like my life gets turned upside down but real good I mean like all of the points up until now have been a good shakeup, but this was earth shattering like complete destruction obliteration of old self I mean really 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 um up until that point I was still kind of living life but on the surface I wasn't really fully here and in fact I mean still today looking at the fact that I'm alive now shocks me because I wasn't expecting that I wasn't it wasn't in my spectrum of reality 2018 rolls around and it like lays a whammy on me and specifically goes get real like get honest stop lying to yourself what the hell are you doing with your life and I just like didn't know what to do and it meant leaving my husband of 13 years and it meant being on my own for the first time as a grown-up ever in many different aspects by the way super scary it meant really getting crystal clear about who I actually was and changing a career path that I had specifically chosen because I thought it was going to give me like safety and uh you know was going to be accessible it just meant so much so much and so that's what leads me to today and really allowed me the power and the energetic to become embodied. To me, that's a word that keeps showing up so much and that I feel is so important for all of us because for, for up until now, I think we've focused a lot on um, self-love and self-acceptance. Self-love, I'm a champion for. Self-acceptance, I don't like because anything that you accept, you are putting up with. So I'm always like, no, if you're going to do a self anything, self-love, but self-embody and then self-embrace, those are my things. And um, I was able to do that, did the rebranding, became your soulful goddess. And I'm in this process to serve other women because I would love nothing more than to see women across the globe break the shackles get out of that cage, that gilded cage that seems so comfortable and so perfect. And not only like embody the essence of Lilith, but really become a breaker of chains. And to me, that's just like what calls to my soul most. Um, so that's a very long winded way to get to your answer. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Wow. There's so much to dive into. Yes. Speaking as a woman who went to a feminist college as a young person and got that training on how to be strong, you know, and, and critical mind thinking and, and, you know, they were already teaching about sex in the media and how it disempowers women and all these things. And I, and at the time I was, I had a boyfriend, you know, so at the time I was like, well, men aren't that bad. I actually like men better than women a lot. I'm only in this college because I know that I don't like women and I need to learn how to like them, you know, cause they, they lie and they gossip and they backstab you. And I'm not really interested in that. And I don't, I trust the men more. I was that kind of, that's Thank who you. I was, but I went, I wanted to be strong and independent, you know? And so I went to this college and they taught me all this stuff. It was great. It was really challenging. Um, Smith College for anybody out there who's like, where'd you go to college? That's where I went. Uh, Northampton, Massachusetts. And, and then I got into this relationship with this guy in California who became my first husband that I had kids with. And I got involved in the, the California lifestyle and the culture. And I started changing. I, almost right away, my parents came to visit and they were like, who are you? <laughs> you who are you this is not the girl we put through smith who is this 
where'd she go? Where'd you put Carrie? Like, they were like, <laughs> it's so easy to get swept up. And by the time I was leaving my husband in 2011, I was like a Barbie. Honestly, I was, I had the acrylic nail, not to, I'm not, definitely not judging anybody out there who's got the acrylic nails and everything. I'm just saying for myself, I was noticing that my values and what I prioritize and what I put my money on and how I spent my time was on making myself look like the, the manicures with like the, you know, that I couldn't rock climb because I had mm-hmm. these nails that they would chip at the slightest thing. So you can't really use your hands. Um, I, I was actually into all that. I, you know, I would have the outfits. I dressed sexy. I was, you know, showing my boobs. I mean, I was into that. And now I'm like, well, I'm on the other side of it, but I had this whole phase of like spiritual judge after I got into my spiritual path and I started judging all that. Like that's all bad. And now I'm not there. I'm just kind of like, well, where do I want to put my focus? It's not bad. It's just, is it the most accurate reflection of who I am on the inside? Like, does my outside match my insides? And that's really the question I'm always asking is, is it authentic? And I think that we have so many questions like that for women right mm-hmm. now, you know, cause there's not a one size fits all, you know, cause the, at the time I really felt like, well, it was authentic to me cause I liked my <laughs> nails and I liked this and that. Yeah. Right. But now it's like, who are you, who are you choosing to be? Well, and I think it's for me, there's a concept that I work with my clients a lot on, and it is the concept of yes. And now this comes from my acting days. Okay. So I love this because in improv, you are taught not to say no. You can't say no. Even if someone comes up to you with like the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in your life, you have to say, oh yes. And like, you have to keep the thing going, keep the thing alive. To me, life is like that. Um, I've learned over the last couple of years, let's say seven or eight years, which have been super massive for me, that one of the best things we can do for ourselves to become empowered and embodied and really understand and honor the divine feminine in all of her forms, there's so many of her, that we lean into the yes and. Yes, you were yourself in that space and there was room for growth. So yes, you liked the acrylic nails and the things, and you were also seeking for something else. Yes, you were in that space and you were also compromising your values and you were externalizing. So there's so many things that go into play with that. And what I like about that too, for all of us, I think is is sometimes in the process of trying to heal a wound, we tend to overcorrect a little bit, right? We either go too far one side or the other. And and to me, when it comes to the wounds that the feminine has experienced, we can sometimes overcorrect by going too hard, ironically, going too hard into the masculine and kind of settling into that space. Um, in continue rejecting the feminine in all her forms, right? If there's one thing that I love, and I actually have a course about this that I'm revamping and it's going to be all kinds of new things, but it's, I launched it at the beginning of this year. It's called Freedom of the Goddess. And my way of getting people's interest in this was by really bringing forth a couple of archetypes. Now, those of us who love the divine feminine are familiar with the mother, the maiden, the crone. Um, and, and those of us who've gone a little bit deeper know that there are at least five archetypes out there. Okay. 
I went deep into like study for like months, almost a year and discovered that actually there's about seven of them and they're all like related. Like, it's not like one can be without the other. They are the epitome of the yes ands because the goddess is the epitome of yes ands. Yes, you wake up in the, mar in the morning like a mother and in the afternoon you could be a maiden and you could be what I call the free spirit. And then at night you can be the breaker of chains. And the next morning you're going to be something else. Yes, and it's a continual thing. It's constantly going and going and going. But so the reason I like that and I find that it's so empowering is because we've tried to overcorrect so much for our core wounding of the divine feminine that we've somehow latched onto this idea that in order to be in the divine feminine, we have to fit within certain confines. Um, and it isn't like that. The divine feminine evokes so many just different aspects of life and of universe and of creation and of self. You know, she is deeply embedded as a part of the duality while holding everything in. Um, so, you know, it's kind of one that I hurt when people say that they don't like the concept of the divine feminine because it's very much non-inclusive and it's very sort of set apart for everybody else and I'm like not at all literally everyone in the world in the universe can tap into the divine feminine I mean you don't have to you know you don't have to be within a binary construct and that's what I would love for people to also know and honor and see is that it's not like that it's not exclusionary it's the same for yeah you can be sexy as hell and like be in the divine feminine you could also be tomboy as hell and be in the divine feminine you could be a five-year-old like me today with my stitch on my shirt and be in the divine feminine like there are so many yes and yes and I mean get curious about what the divine feminine actually calls for because it's a constant flow you can't cage her that's the point trying to cage ourselves into just one parameter just one view just one dichotomy doesn't work it just isn't how she is so i love that you're saying that because i think it's important for all of us to really tap into oh my gosh like i have faced so many of those moments in becoming a mother especially because the becoming a mother is like a role in life that has so many rules <laughs> for how you're supposed to do it. And we don't all agree what the rules are. So that makes it even more interesting. But like, for example, mothers are not supposed to be sexy. Mm -hmm. Well, then how did they have sex <laughs> to produce a yeah. child? <laughs> like mothers are not supposed to be sexy. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and mothers are not supposed to have sex. Like mm -hmm. once you become a mother, like that doesn't happen anymore. You, that just right. ends. Like you became a mother now and you're no longer, you're frumpy now. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. supposed to cover it up and be respectable. Ooh. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I confronted all of that. Like I, I didn't really know what to make of any of that. Cause I definitely had a, um, well, I have promiscuity in my Gene Keys chart, so. Um, Gene Keys chart. I love that, by the way. <laughs> it's just, I just really love it. <laughs> I have it. I'm a flirt. I admit it. I, I, I have had spiritual judging about my flirtiness, but, um, but yeah, but that's also like, I was thinking about this other day because I, I have been pondering my choices 
around the end of my last relationship and the explosion of sexual activity that happened in my life. And we talked a little bit about this on the last broadcast. Um, so bear with me, but um, this is this is really a ripe territory, I believe. And I'm gonna go a little deeper. We'll see what Safa has to say about this. But I feel like um, there are so many restrictions and rules about how a woman is supposed to express, most I said supposed to express her sexuality and and this and when you combine that with roles that women play now you have more roles and and when you break those taboos um you know then people start judging you for breaking those taboos and then you probably judge yourself too and but but yet what i noticed in the midst of my sexual revolution at the end of my last relationship i come calling it my sexual revolution now because i so I was cheating, I could say that, or I could just say I was discovering that I had some ability to reach ecstasy through my body that I was not previously aware of. And I suddenly became very interested in exploring that to the maximum capacity I could possibly explore that to figure out all the ways that that could happen. Because I didn't experience that in my marriage and I hadn't experienced that up until then. And I was like, all of a sudden I wow, this could happen. I want to know how many ways this could happen. I want to reach ecstasy. So let's explore that for a second. Okay. On a spiritual journey, we are here to reach our city, which is in my chart, ecstasy is one of my Cidic states. So I was actually not wrong to reach that state. Now, did I break agreements to reach that state? kind of but i always did tell him that that's what was going on for me i never lied about it i just didn't know how else to do it like it had to get there somehow i was on a soul's curriculum so it's interesting when you flip through that lens isn't it to see what's actually happening mm -hmm. oh my gosh there's so <laughs> much to all of that so let me see if so i can organize my right <laughs> so first of all I love that these words are coming forth because they carry a particular energetic, especially for us who tap into the feminine, right? So the feminine is constantly bombarded with shoulds, have tos, musts, shouldn'ts, you know, all of those. And they're super energetic binders. They're almost like shackles that continuously get thrown around us. And they literally keep us in place because that's what they're meant to do. They're meant to keep us in our place. How many times have we heard that story? Women are supposed to blah, 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 blah. Yes, I get there's a reason for that. And they feel that heavy to your spirit. Um, and so that's the first point. I would love to just invite everyone with the things in your life that you find yourself constantly saying have to, should, shouldn't, must, mustn't, Take a closer look at what they are and how they keep repeating in your life because that's showing you a pattern of something that is tethering you down, not just to story and core wounds, but something that's literally taking your power away. You're giving your power away to this shackle, to this thing. It's a thread that you can follow. It's some work that I do with my clients one-on-one -on -one because it's powerful. And some, honestly, sometimes it takes time. So, and by the way, you will continue using this word in the positive end as well, because then you can say, well, we have to do better for ourselves, okay? It still feels a little bit like, yeah, but it, has the right idea it's just that sometimes our vocabulary doesn't quite reach the range that we're looking for so have to do better for ourselves could change to 
we really need to lean into, but see need is there again. So you, you have to get super like sifty and sometimes it's hard and sometimes there's not enough time to do it. Like for example, on a podcast or, you know, in a conversation like this, but we really kind of get super like sneaky about how we find better words to empower ourselves. Right. Or we can say we lean into becoming empowered and embodied and this is how we find our freedom that's a long way to say it but guess what it carries a higher energetic and then we kind of do away with the have to's so just leaving it out there for everybody to consider by the way that's something that i, I practice daily and i'm still whew, long way from being super Conscious good at languaging. It, but I'm getting on it it's languaging and because Conscious i believe language. i believe that it's um spells you know oh yeah spell, our words are spells mm-hmm. yes yeah yeah so. and i and so the other thing about that, let's while we're on the subject of words being spells, because I realized that I, on the psychotherapy couch, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, but I was casting spells on myself week after week using powerful emotions, which is something psychotherapy does with people as a way to heal them. But actually what happens if you're in it any length of time, you're actually just recreating the thing, unless it's actually, unless they're using a modality that helps you feel it to heal it and watch your language and change the story. Unless that's happening, it's just recreating the same wounding week after week after week after week after week. Mm-hmm. And I took me 20 years to realize that because I, I needed more expertise in navigating all of those thought tunnels <laughs> that I was here at T-Help Others Navigate. So casting spells on yourself is one thing. And then it's even um, more desirable to change the languaging to not cast spells on other people. And mm-hmm. so this is another thing that I notice in language too, is that oftentimes before I was aware of this, I would use, I would talk about something going on with myself, but I would use, well, you know, when you do this and you right. do that, and then you're having this experience and then this is happening for you, then you feel like this. You're to- that is speaking for the other person. Right. But it's not, but we, when we do that, if we do that, we're actually using language to cast spells on other people. And that, if I've noticed that makes people upset. Like, so mm-hmm. if I'm wanting to have a conversation with somebody about something I notice in a relationship, if I use the you thing that get kind of affronted by it, sure. because sure. in some way we all know that that's a spell being put on us that we don't agree with. So it's time to really be conscious of when do I use I when I'm speaking for myself and my personal experience? When do I use you when I'm probably asking you a question about your experience and not trying to fill in the blanks for my own position? And when do we use we when when I want to assert that something is common in our Mm -hmm. collective experience? Mm -hmm. And these are just things that make a huge difference. They seem tiny, but they're really not. No, they're huge. They're huge. And they actually can tie this to the next point that I was going to get to from our earlier conversation. But I do, I do love this so much. And it's, it takes time, by the way, like this actually takes effort to sit and watch what it is that you're saying, especially for someone like myself, who like, I always say my brain works way faster than the rest of me, which means by the time I do five or six crazy things, by the time I catch up to like the third one, I've already done five and six or other crazy things. Like there's never really any catching up. 
and it's just something about myself that I've learned to like embrace and I look at and sometimes it gets me in trouble and sometimes it actually can be kind of fun but it is what it is now what I'm trying to do is get that into some cognizance with like the way in which I speak so by the time I've said it it's kind of empowering everyone else involved so yeah it's work but I the other thing I was really wanting to touch on which is something super interesting about what you'd said is so I'm not going to give you the whole seven archetype spectrum right because that takes literally a whole course to go through that's why I have it but I will give you at least one of them and it's the one that kind of causes a lot of our bristles to really like and it's the it's the free spirit the reason why is because she is super, super free with her sexuality and her sensuality. She's no qualms about literally walking up to the next door neighbor naked and just be like, what's up? But like with no real ill intent, she's someone who makes us uncomfortable because she brings up a lot of internal struggle about our own self-awareness and our own self-love and our own self-understanding of our own sexuality and sensuality, which a lot of us have had really deep wounding around, not just in a shame-filled way, which I always say anything that shames you enslaves you. So not just in a shame-filled way, but also in like a like a repulsive kind way you know it's like you were saying oh moms shouldn't have sex anymore because like ew that's gross <laughs> like it's just so and all of these also have been tools used in the past to keep us again in our place stay where you are you should be a good little girl you you know shouldn't curse you blah 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 should could have to must um so all those things around her and she also is just and she will go with whatever it is that she's feeling in that moment and chase after it. She's the kind of energy that will travel the world wide and like have no problem not having like a quote unquote home or home base or whatever. She's the one that all eyes go to no matter where you are. And you know what? That makes us uncomfortable because we make it about a projection of what we want to be but can't because for whatever reason in our minds, that's a no-no, whether it's, oh, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not blah, blah enough, you know, fill in the blank. There's a myriad of stories that go into that. Also makes us uncomfortable because we've been taught specifically to fear that that archetype because it means that that's the one that's going to come along and take our man away or blah, 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 ruin your life. And I hate those words because they're just, ugh. the narrative is so yuck to me at this point that I'm just like, eh, I can be like not with this. So I hear that and I, if we all would learn a little bit more deeply about all the archetypes and just really tune into those flows and acknowledge the goddess and the divine feminine as that constant expansion and retraction, as that constant shifter. I always think of her as like a lioness prowling, right? She's just, she's super sensual. No matter how you cut it, no matter how you want to look at it, the divine feminine is sexual and sensual and she's super confident. There's no like hesitation in that. Many of us don't have that because it's been kind of pushed out of us. Like it's just been kind of like put away. And that sexual exploration, the desire to feel ecstasy the desire to savor delight in and literally like delight and savoring in everything because we don't even know how to do this with our food 
most of us have a really contentious relationship with food to the point where we don't really even know what we would eat that would bring that sense of orgasm to self. <laughs> so then take that and put it in the bedroom. Who knows? Like no freaking clue. Myself included. I had no idea what like an actual orgasm would feel like with a person, right? For the majority of my life, many of us can say this. It's true. And part of it is because we've projected the essence of that archetype so hard we're like no that immediately makes you dirty it immediately makes you bad it makes you uh filthy it makes you less than it makes you flighty it makes you unreliable and you know it baffles me because on the one hand we try to glorify someone like for example samantha from six in the city and be like, oh, she's such a feminine badass. She just does whatever she wants. I wish I could be her. Some of us say that. Some of us go like, ew, right? Still within that. But then at the same time, we do all fall into, I almost said always, but we fall into this trap where we go, oh, that girl's a slut. She just sleeps with everybody. Oh, that person is bad. She's literally like sleeping with a billion person, like billion people and blah, blah, blah. Like we do this thing that's been ingrained into us. We've been trained. Um, we've been trained to be nasty to ourselves. We've been trained to be nasty to each other. We've been trained not to trust our intuition. We've been trained not to trust the, the divine feminine sexuality, sensuality. We've been trained that anything that is outside of the normal, anything that is outside of the confines of what has to be a certain way is bad forever, horrible, can't be. And I see that in so many of us in so many different ways. I mean, just to use myself as an example, real quick, I remember I was so shocked, man, when I was getting divorced, I kept feeling like I had to have a reason that was major. I kept feeling like I had to excuse behavior that hadn't even happened. I kept feeling like I had to make something up. Like there, you know what I mean? Like, look, whatever it was, literally, if I would have woken up like next morning and said, eh, I'm done, this was fun. We served each other, contract's over, time to move on. That would have been fine. That would have been for perfectly fine. So anybody who's listening to this, who's in the situation, dude, it's okay. You don't have to justify or explain yourself to anybody. You listen to your intuition, yourself, your inner knowing, your divine calling, and you lean into that. Period, end of story. Can there be reasons? Yeah, sure, there always are. Like the truth is there's going to be something, right? breaking, blah, 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 whatever. But the point is, hey, if this is where you want to go and if this is what you need, kind of like what you were saying, you had never experienced ecstasy. So you were out there like trying to find it and like, oh my God, I didn't know I could feel this in my body. Okay, that's cool. You probably didn't get a chance to. Most of us don't. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know if this was your case. It definitely was mine. My case, I married very young. So for sure, I had no idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? I also was under very strict religious instruction not to. So a lot, there's a lot, there's so much nuance, there's so much richness to these topics. And sometimes we get caught up in one and it's the good and bad. <laughs> and we don't look at, but wait a second, there's so much stuff out here to look at and so much like just little, little details that we can be honoring and really going into. That's why I like shadow work too, because it's beyond, look, I love therapy and did therapy for a little bit, liked it, helped me a, a bunch and wouldn't dissuade people from going. It's safe to say 
when I actually learned about shadow work and when I actually learned to go deep and really honor those spaces and remember, oh, I'm not the emotion. Okay, cool. Oh, I'm not the story. Okay, neat. That's when things really started to transform for me. So there is those differences. And for me, in this sense, with honoring all the all of the archetypes of the feminine is the same. It's when you actually pull back and go, oh, okay, there's a room for this and there's room for that. Now, are there points of dis-ease within those archetypes? Yeah, sure. Like within everything, divine feminine and divine masculine both have them, but we honor them. Yeah, it's so powerful. I was thinking about what you said about intuition. And um, yeah, when I finally left, I had, well, it's like all the energy fell out of the relationship for me. It's like Mm -hmm. I knew and then it just felt done, period. Like it was just so clean and clear, like that's just over. And like, I, it was shocking almost how quickly it was after all these years of trying to make it work in the therapy and all this kind of stuff and trying to fix myself and figure out. And then it was just like, it's done. It it was just amazing to me. (laughs) Actually, it was shocking. And I know he was shocked too, because he was like, what do you mean? (laughs) you know, mm-hmm. thought we were going to do this the rest of our lives. And I just, uh, I just knew, I just had that inner, th- the energy went completely out of it. It was just gone yeah. and I was done period. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens for, for, I don't, I've heard other women say that they've experienced that kind of feeling. I'm not sure it happens for men. I don't know enough men and I haven't asked that question of enough men to, to find out, but it seems like something that women experience sometimes where it's just, it's just, that's just it. We're done. That's over. And, mm-hmm. and then it's time to really honor that, you know, and I stepped into a, I mean, I left a 20 year relationship. I left, I left my beautiful art studio that we had just built for me. Like the years before I this finally had a big art studio made from scratch, like to my specifications. And I walked out of that relationship and left it. And my heart was broken into pieces over that. Um, but it was the right thing to do. I just knew it in my body that it wasn't compatible. Like what I was going through Mm -hmm. and what I needed to, the adventure I needed to go on of self-discovery was not compatible with this marriage construct in the way Mm -hmm. that, in the tools that we had to deal with it. Now, if I'd have been in a different relationship, maybe with a partner that was, um, you know, had some skills in spiritual inquiry and had a background in that and was into transformation work and done his own personal shadow work and was committed to that. And it could have been a completely different scenario where mm-hmm. it would have been safe and okay to continue that exploration, but that wasn't the case. And mm-hmm you know, so it just, it was not a match. And so, you know, this sort of like, I have this desire to do no harm and I, I don't know um, how other people feel maybe take a look inside, but I have this feeling like I want to do the least amount of harm as possible while also setting myself free. And so in that moment, for me, it was clear. It was like this staying in this relationship is doing more harm to yeah. everybody involved, the children, especially than than it is good. And it, and I don't know what's next, but whatever it is, I have a clear knowing that that thing is for me. And in fact, that's what unlocked my, this whole part of my journey, which I would never give up. Like, uh, uh-uh. sorry for hurting your feelings, sweetheart. I really sorry for all the pain I caused you. And this is the most amazing aspect of my life that I would never give up like ever, 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 ever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I think that having experienced this, I have a new insight now that I, I really encourage people to, I encourage people to explore, like if they want to leave a relationship, I encourage them to really dive in and see if there's some shadow work to do that, you, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're trying to avoid. But also if that's not the case, like you have to be fearless. You have to trust that knowing if, it, if the energy has gone, the energy has gone. If it's, if it's dead and flat and over, then it's dead and flat and over. Like you're not going to resurrect a dead body. So like you just honor it, bury it, honor it, ceremony, thank you, gratitude, and moving on. It's just like a death. Mm -hmm. That's so, so true. And it's powerful to me because that's exactly what I experienced. And I honor it in this way. So one of the biggest lessons of my life, and it, it goes included in this, but it kind of started percolating before this, is that anything that stagnates dies. And I don't mean like a death. Look, there's death that leads to rebirth. That's what I like about Kali. I mean, there is that process of destruction in order to become the phoenix, right? But some deaths, especially those that come from stagnation, and when something just doesn't move anymore, those are permanent. Those are like permadeath. <laughs> like they, there's like nothing that you can do after that. And for me, it's, ah, we go back to the same thing. Our words are spells, yes. I think we do ourselves in a little bit when we go through those marriage vows and we vow like till death do us part because you know what? Everything in the universe is constantly fluxing, moving, just like the divine feminine because that is the essence of creation, yes? Everything is moving, flowing, changing constantly. Do I believe that there are some cases in which that can be a thing? Yeah, 100%. I mean, my brother, one of my brothers and, and his wife are forever. Those two are like all the things, right? But does it happen for everybody? No. And also I think that when we, if we change that dynamic to say, hey, we are here to serve one another up until such a point where that might change, if it changes at all, it may not. It may go on forever. And if it does, great. But if it changes and we stop growing and there's no energy and we stagnate and paths go in different directions, then we can honor this and thank it and be grateful for it and go our separate ways. And that's exactly where I was. And I think that's exactly where you were from what you're saying, it sounds like. So, and again, if you're listening to this and you're at that point, man, always ask why. I say there's nothing more beautiful than becoming the most earnest, curious detective of yourself. Because the more you actually lean into that, the more you're, you'll glean stuff in everything, in your business, in your relationships, in your, in your self-development growth and everything. Because when you sit there and you ask, wow, what is it that's making me question this? Why do I feel like this is over? Why do I feel like I felt like it was broken? I kept using that work, broken, 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 broken. I kept bringing it back. And I didn't really know why. And, um, and I had to go in and really get deep and really introspective and see and look and be like, ooh, it's actually been like this for a very long time. And, and sometimes understanding that asking the big question, the why is going to help us go so much further in the growth, even if it's painful. Pain, I think we're too afraid of pain. I think pain we really need to start embracing as one of our biggest teachers ever, because it is. And when we do, that actually helps us a lot more and it's way more freeing than staying in a situation. And let's, it doesn't even have to be a marriage, could be a job, could be a friendship in a situation that is just no longer alive 
it died a long time ago it stagnated a long time ago all of that shifted transitioned the contract was fulfilled it was time to be done and then if we keep trying to force things man anything that you resist or force is going to break and it's just going to keep coming back to you like a boomerang like but to, to like attack you so breathe like breathe live into yourself pause ask the questions lean into your knowledge of yourself like what do i know about myself right how am I compromising my values, my morals, my beliefs, my boundaries in this situation? Am I compromising any of those in this situation? And if I have done that, what has been the outcome of it? Because a lot of times when we do those things, that's why things stagnate and that's why they peter off and die. Listen, no relationship is going to be perfect. No, no parental relationship, no romantic relationship, no friendship relationship, no work relationship is going to be perfect. No, not even your relationship with yourself is going to be perfect. And that's the most important one of all. So if none of them are going to be perfect and they're all going to ebb and flow, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. Sometimes you're really not going to want to freaking be there anymore just because you kind of made yourself sick of the person or the situation. But is it really a death death or is there a regrowth? And if there is a death death, honor that, put it away, move on, let that go so that you can breathe new life into yourself because something better is coming your way. And I think a lot of the reasons why we also get stuck in this paradigm is because we've been taught there's only one way. And that one way is this is it. This is your one chance. This is your forever. And if you mess it up, then you're going to be an old man. You're going to die alone. You're going to be unhappy. And all these horrible, awful things are going to happen to you because you did this. And like poppy. It's not really like, true. It's not true. I mean, I'm so living in proof of that's not true. I have the love of my life now. We're happy. We're both aligned to, you know, our, our soul paths and, and the father of my children, he has a new, a new wife and he's happy. So mm-hmm. no, it's really not that way. Um, he's actually said, he's so grateful that she's not an artist <laughs> because <laughs> he had enough of an artist with me and it wasn't a good match for him. He likes more security than that. And the unpredictability of me is, was too much for him. It actually really caused him a great deal of stress. So, um, you know, we all find out about ourselves. This is about learning about ourselves and being willing to let go of what's no longer working for our personal growth or our discovery of ourselves to let it go and let it be, let it be recycled. You know, we have such a hard time with endings and completions and it's, it's actually, that's Callie also was my guide for ending that relationship. And she just came and just like the whole forest burned down. It was just like, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and then all your family structures. And by the way, we're going to, I'm going to introduce you to Toltec wisdom. And now you're going to like get yourself out of all the disempowering matrices in your entire family. And everyone's going to hate you for a while, but then yeah, they're going to come yeah. back. So, I mean, it's kind of like that. Like you just like raise the ground and everyone's mad, definitely mad. But then it, the truth starts to emerge out of that lie. Like it's like the whole lie burned down and now the truth can finally start to grow in an authentic way. And as that happens, then everyone can rest, can kind of learn and grow from that experience and then build new connections that are actually more authentic for who we really are not based on history or based on other, you know, ideas born of talking and making stories, but actually, you know, who you are now in the moment. And, uh, you know, like you said, that God is freedom, but she really wants to be free and she doesn't want to be chained 
even to someone else's identity about who she might be based on past Mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want that. She wants to be free to explore and discover and evolve and change and grow and, and, you know, and morph, you know, Mm -hmm. to become a shapeshifter. So anyway, that's my expression with her. And uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm not going to be caged by anybody. So this is really the work. And I have to say the work doesn't end. I mean, like even now um, that I have this new level of love and connection and freedom and joy and in this relationship and that my partner is very conscious and that we do this work together and that, you know, my sons are starting to understand the game a little bit and play it with me. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, like I get how this is a little bit. You know, it's fun as a family to look at your gene keys and figure out who each other is. And, oh, this is your soul's Mm -hmm. curriculum. That's a fun game. And, you know, even with all that, there's still stuff. You know, I bump up against the edges of these old ideas within myself. I bump up against the edges of them. And it's like, why am I not, why am I not feeling, um, you know, sexually expressive? Oh, well, I better look at that, right? Because there's something going on inside me Mm -hmm. that needs healing. So I love that. This conversation is profound. It could go on for a very long time. I hope uh, <laughs> I hope everyone has enjoyed this conversation. I certainly have. This has been amazing. Um, so I know that you're going to um, give us a link to explore some, some uh, more deeply some of your programs. Um, so that's going to be coming to you guys. If you just check the show notes, you'll find that in the show notes. Um, any last things you want to leave people with today? Um, yeah, I think the biggest sort of resounding message here too, and we can tie it back to everything that we've talked about is that part of one of the other reasons why we kind of get stuck in our lives, period, end of story, like it doesn't matter if it's relationship or work or whatever, is because we do have a sense of, well, what's going to happen? I'm going to be like, you know, catastrophic sort of essence, right? But the truth is, I would love for all of us to know that no matter what happens, literally no matter what happens, even if everyone in your life walks away from you tomorrow and you have no job and like the worst thing that you could think about in your mind happens, you are still going to be okay. You are still going to be taken care of. You are still going to be provided for. You are still going to be loved and you are still worthy. So really let that sink in because it's so, so, so important. Um, and then just, yeah, you can always reach me. Like if you want to work one-on-one with me, I'm available, um, email me and then connect with me on Instagram. All of those links you can have down in the, uh, information that Carrie is going to provide for you, but you know, you're not alone. We're all here together. So explore. Beautiful. I love that. Well, okay. So you guys know what to do. Um, please leave us a like, a comment, a review, a share, share it out on social media, share it with some friends privately, however you want to share. The engagement is what helps the uh, search engines know, oh, this is important content is when people engage with it. So we appreciate you doing that for us and getting this word out. Um, Safa's beautiful work that she does with people. So be sure to share this out and we're going to give kisses. So would you like to join me? I'm going to give everybody kisses kisses now here here they come here come your your covid free kisses (laughs) that's so cute (laughs) (laughs) i love you all and we'll see you next week on soul nectar show bye for now to dive in deeper to nourishing conversation visit soulnectar.show Take a sip from the drip of nectar.
I'm so, 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 so